Oh goodness, it is good to be back. I'm excited about this morning. I'm going to try and not speak a thousand miles an hour and get off topic, but God's got some things. He's got some, th- some things in store for us to share about. Um, we're going to be talking about giants this morning. Giants that we're facing. Anyone facing any giants in your life? Amen. All right, let's listen up to what God has to say. Because he's got some things to say about giants in our life. And we're going to look at Numbers chapter 13. And there's one particular story in here that we're going to look at. But we're going to see it from different angles and different parts of the Bible as well. And I'm really excited about what God has to share. So let's just commit right now for these next 20 or 30 minutes to just give God all of our attention. Put away your cell phones if you got them, if those are a distraction. And let's focus in. Because we don't want to miss what God has to say. Beginning in Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, The Lord now said to Moses... Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out twelve men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. Now, when I read this, my first thought is, why? Why? Why would God have Moses send out 12 spies to a land which he says he has already promised them. Why would God do that? It doesn't make any sense to me. And it makes even less sense when we read about the story in Deuteronomy. Because in Deuteronomy, Moses is retelling what is happening in Numbers, okay? The order of of the first five books of the Bible are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So the story in Numbers is, is like happening in real time. And in Deuteronomy, they're looking back on it as because it's already happened, okay? And so what we read in Numbers 13 is the Lord, the Lord says to Moses, go and do this, okay? In Deuteronomy 1, it says this, and just bear with me as we kind of unpack this whole story. It's going to take a little bit. Starting in verse 19, it says, Then, just as the Lord our God commanded us, we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, as you yourselves remember, and headed toward the hill country of the Amorites. When we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord our God is giving us. So there it is again. God is already giving this to them. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Okay, so before they they get to the the point where they need to go spy out the land, that we have this kind of moment. And it paints this picture for us. And in verse 19, it says that it was a great and terrifying wilderness. So I don't want us to undersell or or underplay what's going on here. The Israelites are, are genuinely terrified at what they are seeing. Okay, so what they're seeing is something that is terrifying, but also what they know or what they've heard God tell them is that this land is promised to them. It is their land. And when we consider the promises of God, here's where we can get a little messed up. All right, we want in our lives and how we walk with the Lord, the the promises of God to be easy and just handed to us. So this is God's promise. Yeah, sure, I'm just going to sit on my couch. I'm going to watch TV and I'm going to let his promises just come to me. And that's what the promises of God are like. And that's what walking with Jesus is like. Sounds silly, but that's a, that's a lot of our mentality. But let me tell you something. To fulfill the promises of God, it's hard work. It can be hard work. This, listen, we are believing for amazing things at this school and in this church. But it's, just not, it's not just going to happen with our feet up, on, you know, chilling out. We've got to work for it. 
we got to work for it. But that doesn't mean it's not promised to us. And so as these Israelites are seeing this, their minds are computing because, wait a second, God promised this to us, but that doesn't look easy. That's going to require something of me. So maybe I should just pass. Maybe this really isn't right. Maybe this isn't God after all. Verse 22 says, But you all came to me and said, First, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take in which towns we should enter. This seemed like a good idea to me. That's Moses talking. So I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. So the, the question that I had when I was preparing this that I didn't understand was if you go to Numbers chapter 13, when it's happening in real time, it says that the Lord commanded Moses to do this. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, it says that the people came to him and said, let's do this. So, which one is it, right? And this is, my, this is my suggestion, this is my interpretation of it is this. I believe that these people came to Moses, and I think Moses went to the Lord. and said, what do, you, what do you want? Because if you read about Moses, one of the key phrases in his life is, he went to the Lord. Moses went to the Lord and prayed. And so I think in this moment, he went to the Lord. Because Moses is going, wait a second, I know that God's promised this. So should we send the spies out? He goes to the Lord, and then God says, yes. Go send out the spies. So then the next question would be, why? That going back to that question, why would God do this? And here's what I believe. Because in this moment, this is a test. God is testing Moses, and he is testing the Israelites. And he's saying, do you believe my promises for you? Broken down another way, he's saying this. And this is what I'm going to ask all of us this morning, those watching online and those in this room. Are you walking by faith or are you walking by sight? Are you believing what is written in the word of God for you or are you believing the news? Are you believing what you see with your own eyes or are you believing what God has already told you is going to happen? It's a big question. And it's one that we have to all examine. And until we can answer that truthfully, we don't really know what to do or how to operate. If we get to a place where we say, God, I'm living by sight, okay, good. Now I can identify that. And I can, I can repent. And I can get refocused. And if we're living by faith, we just keep on living by faith. And we continue to read the word and get in that and what God says to us. And I believe he is testing the Israelites in this moment. And it's interesting how it says that you all came to me and said, first, let's send out scouts to explore the land. God's word in this moment wasn't enough for them. They wanted man's confirmation. They wanted, they wanted men to see it for themselves, what God had promised them. And here's the problem with that. We don't see like God sees. And so if God has promised you something and you want man to confirm it, man's not going to see it. And so you're always going to get a contradiction. You're always going to get something that doesn't add up. And that is dangerous. Our ways are not God's ways. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. 
And so if we try to confirm what he said by our own sight, it's never going to happen. And then what happens? We don't see it and we get discouraged and all sorts of crazy stuff happens. Like what? Let's keep reading. Verse 26 in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Listen to these words Moses says to them. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You complained in your tents and said the Lord must hate us. That's why he has brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are. And their towns are large with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Familiar giant, same descendant, Goliath. So just picture for a moment, they're looking under this promised land and they see a whole bunch of Goliaths walking around. And these are legit giants made for warfare because they're looking with their own sight. They're living by sight and not by faith. Verse 29, but I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. But even, this is, this is the heartbreaking thing right here, even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God, who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. It is amazing how when we start living by sight, we forget what God has done in our life. The Israelites are looking at this promised land that God has said all the way back in Exodus that this is for you. And looking at the giants, this terrifying wilderness, they forget about the most amazing miracles in all of the Old Testament. The ten plagues. They forget about it. They forget about the, the sea being parted. The, the Egyptian army is bearing down on them. Moses touches the water. The, the Red Sea splits. They're walking on dry ground. So the very last Israelite crosses and gets on that next bank. And then the waters collapse and he destroys the Egyptian army. They forget about, they forget about that. Like how do you forget about that? You live by sight. You live by sight. It is so important when we have victories in our life to write them down. When God does something miraculous in your life, write it down. Tell people. Celebrate it. We're going to start doing that here on Sundays. We have a prayer chain. I want to have a testimony chain. Because we need to celebrate with one another these things. It kills me, you know, when we walk with people as pastors here and we'll talk for hours over the troubles in people's lives. And look, you know, that's what we're here for. We'll pray for you and then all of a sudden a good report comes. You know what, how it comes? Via text. Like, don't text me that. Call me about that. Let's talk for an hour about the good things. You know? But we forget about those things. It's like, okay, let's move on. They forgot about plagues. How do you forget about plagues? kills me you know we can sit and we can we can read this story about these israelites and we can get on our high horse we can look at judgment over them 
But really, we, we should be able to relate to them. And what they saw was scary. It was real. A terrifying wilderness full of giants with fortified walls. And here they are. They're, just, they're not a military. They've been wandering around in the desert. This is a hard situation. Are you facing a hard situation? What's your giant? Write that down too. Identify the giant in your life. And then let's start remembering about what God says about giants. Put that giant in your life next to what the Lord says. All right, so now let's go back to Numbers 13 where, in, in, in the, where they're living this out. And let's jump to verse 17 in Numbers Chapter 13, it says, Moses gave the men these instructions, so he's, he's going to be sending them out. And as he sent them out to explore the land, he said this, Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like, and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls, or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season of harvesting first ripe grapes. Okay, so Moses gives them all these commands. He says, check out the land, and then check out the lay of the land. You know, is it rich? Does it have food? Is it everything that we thought it was going to be? And then see if we're going to be able to occupy it. Are the people strong? Are they weak? Are they fortified? Are there trees? I don't really know what that has to do with anything, but he asked them about that. And so he has all these things to tell them to go find out. But here's what's funny about all that. They already knew. Moses knew the answer to everything he was asking them to find out about. And you know what I love is that last thing where he tells them, bring back a sample of the land so we can taste it. It's like he wants them to actually taste the goodness of this land for themselves. In other words, in other words it's not don't just look at it, but I want you to taste how good it is too. Let's taste of this land that God has promised us. And so they do that. But here's, again, here's, what makes no sense to me and why this is a test that God is giving them. Because God tells Moses all these things way back in Exodus chapter 3. Before Moses has sent the plagues, before he's even met with the elders, the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt, living as slaves, hard labor, and God has told him the answer to all these questions that he's, that he's asking the spies to go find out about. And it says this, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 16. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. This is God talking to Moses. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me. He told me, listen, I have been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from their oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Spoiler alert, God has given away the ending here. He tells Moses, before Moses even meets with the elders of Israel, this is what is going to happen. I'm going to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt, and I'm going to give you this land. And it is going to be flowing with milk and honey. And there are going to be these types of people living in this land. He already knew the ending. You know what's amazing? God has already told us the ending as well. He spoiled it already. 
It's written all over the word of God. John 3.16, for God so loved you that he gave Jesus, his only begotten son, that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. Come on now. Hello, y'all there? He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about tomorrow. If I dress the, the birds and, and the flowers of the field, how much more you? We can, we can be here all day, y'all. There's promises throughout the Bible that give away the ending for every concern we could ever have, every giant we could ever face. God says, I've already told you. I've already told you. Yet, we choose to live by sight instead of, the, instead of faith in what God has for us, instead of what God says about us, instead of what God has done for us. And I'm not just talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about here on this earth where we live day in and day out. He's told us the ending. I've got this. Are you living by sight or are you living by faith? Because he's told us the end just like he did Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And if that isn't enough, he doubles down on it three chapters later in Exodus chapter 6, starting in verse 6. He says, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. I love these verses because it's bookended by a very bold statement. In verse 6, he begins by saying, I am the Lord. Here's what I'm going to do. And after he tells Moses what he's going to do, he says again, I am the Lord. All right? It's awesome. <laughs> this is the way. I have spoken. Any Mandalorian fans in here? Just a couple? Okay. I've spoken. It's over. I am the Lord. This is what is going to happen. Do you believe it? But you know what's amazing about this verse that we just read in Exodus 6? The, the promised land that he talks about is not the best part of this. It's, it's in here. It's highlighted in verse 7. He says this, I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. That is the promise to hold on to. Everything else is just butter after that. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are his children and he is our God and he has spoken. And we can live by faith in that. We might as well just walk around with our eyes closed because nothing matters outside of that. He is our God, and we are his people, and God takes care of his people. We've got to walk by faith and not by sight. Going back to Numbers 13. I know I'm jumping around here. Just follow along with me. Verse 27, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent to us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, it's true. God didn't lie to them. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. 
The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. Just as God said, the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Here's where it gets good. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. So we have this guy, Caleb, along with Joshua, and they're saying, let's go. Two of the 12 spies are like, we got this. That's our land. Let's go take it from them. And the other 10 are like, no, you're crazy. And they spread the report. Here's two things that we can draw from that. The first one is this. Living by faith will always put you in the minority. Two of the 12 spies were living by faith. The other 10 were living by sight. If you expect living by faith to all of a sudden be the most popular thing in the world, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be the majority. But that's okay. God only needs one. So are you going to be like Caleb and step out of the majority and be the minority and live by faith? We're going to here at Beaches Chapel. We're going to live by faith. The other thing is this. Living by sight will always lead to fear. It will always lead to fear. Why? Because the world is a scary place. And if all we're doing is looking around at the world and the condition of the world, eventually we're going to start freaking out. It might only take a second. It might take a few days. But eventually you're going to start living by fear or living in fear. And we see that this last sentence, they said, next to them we felt like grasshoppers and that's what they thought too. Suddenly these Israeli spies are mind readers. Isn't that amazing? They were able to see all these people and go, they think this of us. What is that? That's fear. That's living by sight. And fear crept in like that. And this is the result of it. Continue on in Numbers 14. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voice rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt... Or even here in the wilderness, they complain. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Hear the fear there? Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader. Let's get rid of Moses. And let's go back to Egypt and live in slavery. Sounds like a great plan, right? It's amazing what a lack of trust will lead to in your life. But let me say this. Your plan over God's plan is not the safer option. It's not. God's plan might look a little funky to you because you don't see the way he sees. And so you want to abort. It's going to, to the point where you would rather Go live in slavery, where these people cried out to God for years for him to rescue them. Now they're like, can I go back? 
Our plans are not the safer option. You can try and tell yourself till the cows come home. And I know all of us have been in a place where we're looking for that trap door. Get me out of here. This is harder than I thought. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. So I'm just going to escape this way. And I'm going to think I'm avoiding trouble and hardship. But what you're really asking is to go backwards. But if we can commit to the plans that God has for us, he'll get us to that promised land. And he will protect us. Because he's not just going to call us to something and then leave us out hanging to dry. Are you walking by faith or by sight? Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of uh, somebody, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with what? Milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only, I love this, helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, this is heartbreaking. How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them. That question that the Lord asked Moses then is as relevant then as it is today right now. It is incredibly relevant today. How long after all these miracles and after everything I've done, will they ever believe me? Will we believe him? after everything that he's done for you and for me and for our families and for Beaches Chapel and for the people, all these other churches that he covers. How many miracles is it going to take? It reminds me of Jesus when he feeds the 5,000. This is an amazing miracle in John chapter 6. And then he goes on. And in the same chapter, they're like, well, can you give us a sign? <laughs> That's us. That's the Israelites here. God's saying, how long is it going to take for them to believe me? How long is it going to take us to believe God and realize that he is not a liar? He is not a liar. Let's fast forward to today. Because this whole story is in the Old Testament. And, and Joshua and Caleb are these two spies out of the 12 that believe. And I love their words. They are helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but we have the Lord. In other words, no giant can stand up against our God. If he promised it to us, then it is ours. And in the Greek, the name Joshua and Jesus are the same name. It's the same name. And it means salvation. The name Joshua and the name Jesus means salvation. You know... Jesus' mission when he came here was not to occupy a land. It was to occupy our hearts. It was to occupy our hearts. And he had giants that he had to face. And it wasn't thick walls. It wasn't people taller than him. It was getting beaten to an inch of his life. 
is being abandoned by all of his friends and family, being stripped of all of his clothes, and being nailed to a cross, tried as a criminal, having done absolutely nothing wrong. His giant was death, and it was the most brutal death that he could ever imagine and that we could ever dream up. But he didn't look at the giants in front of him. He looked at the promised land, and the promised land was our heart. And he said, I'm going to trust God, my Father, and the mission that he's put before me, and the things that he said, that his plans are good, and I'm going to go forward, and I'm going to conquer the giants that are in front of me, and I'm going to conquer death, and I'm going to be raised from the dead so that we could have life with him. And so that, check this out, we don't have to face the giants. God faces them for us. We don't have to face them out of our own doing. God does them through us because he sent Jesus. I want to have the band come back up. And if, listen, if we're going to take communion in just a minute. Hopefully you got a little cup on your way in. If not, you can find one in the back. But I want to read this first. Don't get up yet. This is Ephesians chapter 1. Starting in verse 3. This is God giving away the ending again. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is why he wanted to do, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him, listen to this, great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness, in grace, that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Listen, here's why we don't live by sight. Because we have priority over the world. It says here in Ephesians that God loved us before the world was even created. So we are before the world. We take precedence over the world. And if that is true, why would we let the world dictate our faith? God chose us and gave him great pleasure to not just be his people, but to be his children, to adopt us in by the blood of Jesus so that he could protect us and so that we can walk by faith in what the word of God says. That is what it's about. And so whatever giant or giants you are facing, Measure them up to God's love for you and ask yourself truly, am I living by faith or am I living by sight? And if you are living by sight, close your eyes. Turn off your social media. Stop watching the news. Stop talking to that person that keeps filling your ears and your mind with fear and say to them, I'm done. My God is greater. 
If you want to talk about how awesome Jesus is, I'm here. But if you're going to keep filling my mind and my heart with fear, I'm done. Because that's not the Lord. I want to share this verse with you really quick. It's got to be one of the most depressing verses in all of the Bible. I know, a weird verse to close with. It's back to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Listen closely to these verses and see if you hear what it's saying. It says, these are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel. So he's, this is, again, the recap. While they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River, they were camped in the Jordan Valley near Su, or Suf, whatever, between Paran and on one side and Tafel, Leben, Hezerath, I'm butchering these, and another place on the other. Normally it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. Did y'all catch that? Normally it takes 11 days, but 40 years later. You think your way's safer than God's way? Let's not waste our time. What I love though in that verse that could seem really depressing and bleh, is that we see two things. Our failure, but we also see God's faithfulness. Something that should have taken 11 days. He waited 40 years for them to get. But you know what? We don't have to do that. God wants to receive us right where we are at. This whole business about getting your life together first, that's the 40-year plan, okay? That's the 40-year plan. But it's going to take a whole lot longer than 40 years. God's not interested in us getting our act together first. That's why he sent Jesus. So that we could just say, here I am, God. I give my life to you. Will you face these giants for me? I choose to live by faith and not by sight. I'm going to believe what you say about me versus the things that I see about myself. The things that only I see about myself and I choose you I choose you and those things here's what's awesome those things that we think that we need to get fixed before we turn to Jesus and give our hearts to Jesus become our platform and become the things that we, we our testimony this is who I was and now this is who I am because I choose to live by faith and not by sight this is a test. What are you living by? Listen, there's giants. There's giants in our lives. But we serve a God who is greater than the world. We serve a God who loves us. And because of his pleasure, he adopted us in through Jesus' death to be our children. So he could be our protector. It's said in that verse in Ephesians that he's rich in kindness and mercy. God is rich with the things that we need. He's rich with the things that we need to face the giants. He's got the resources where we don't. So let's choose, let's choose to, to, to believe in him and to give him these fights. I wanna take a moment for those that are watching, you're joining us online and those that might be in this room to start living by faith and to turn your lives over to Jesus this morning because he saw the giants and he kept on 
because you were his promised land. You were the treasure. You were the thing that he went after. All you have to do is say, I receive you. Don't choose the 40-year plan. Let him get your act together. So let's all bow our heads right now. I just want all of us this morning to say this prayer and repeat it after me, whether it's your a millionth time praying it or your very first. Let's all just speak these words out. I think a lot of us could just get our faith reignited a little bit, a little bit this morning. Amen. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth, that you lived, that you died, and that you rose again for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Thank you that I am your promised land. Amen. Father, we thank you so much that we can turn to these stories and learn from them, Father. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us would leave this place living by faith. And we would turn to you, God, and ignore the circumstances and focus on the Creator. And God, as we take communion right now, Jesus, we do so in remembrance of you. I'm going to open up your communion cups. And God, we remember your blood that was shed, the beating that you took, all that time, Lord, you could have stopped it in a moment. You could have had it all cease and all the pain you were suffering could have gone away, but you kept on because you had a promised land to get to. You had hearts to occupy. And so we thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for the beating that you endured. Father, we receive this bread right now and say thank you that you ignored the giants and you fought for us. Let's take the bread. And Father, we read that your word says you're rich in kindness and you're rich in mercy, Lord, and that mercy is poured out onto us every day and that's, that's proven in the blood that you shed on the cross. Lord, your blood is what washes us new. We talked about trying to get our act together on our own, Lord, and we can't do it. It's only your blood, that sacrifice that you made that makes us clean so that when we go to you every day throughout our day and we say, God, I'm sorry, here's where I messed up. You say, it's okay because I'm rich in mercy and I'm rich in kindness. I'm not gonna beat you up over these things. I'm gonna make you clean and I'm make you new because I'm rich in mercy. Father, thank you, Lord, for the blood that you shed that makes us clean every single day. Let's take the cup. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand back up as we close in worship this morning. I want to say one thing. We have, I talked about believing and walking in faith and the Bible being rich with things that God says about us. We have in the back table on one of our cafe tables some promise books. And there are verses taken from the Bible where you can look up certain things and God's promises for us are in there. If you don't have one, we want it to be a gift for you. And if we run out, which we might, we'll get one for you. But we're going to sing the song that we opened with this morning called Revival is in the Air. And I love this song. That's not why we're singing it again, though. We're singing it again because we are going to choose this morning 
to not look at the giants. And we're going to look at the promised land. And we're going to recognize that there is revival in the air. There is not fear. There is revival. And this, we are entering a season of revival in the school and in the church. If we as a body can live by faith, people are going to come. But if we start, if we're living by sight, listen, they can find that anywhere. Living by faith happens in the church, by the church. So can we sing that this morning in faith? Can we sing that this morning in faith? Amen. Come on.